Um, if you've been around at all, you know that we put these message series together months in advance. We are already planned through the end of the year. Um, this current series was planned in January. And so one of the things that we as the planning group for the series recognize is we don't know what's going to be happening in January, what's going to be happening in June. And so part of the process for us as we're doing these series developments, is we're asking the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and guidance beyond ourselves because the Spirit knows what's out in the future, even though we don't. And so this is a great illustration, I think, of the Spirit's work happening as we were planning this series that we didn't even know about. So here we are planning a series on generosity and then have this situation with VBS. And I think it's a powerful illustration of the nature of a God-honoring generosity. So as we begin the series, what I want to say at the very beginning is what generosity is not. Generosity is not code for give hope your money. All right? This is not a series on give hope your money. Because while generosity includes our money, it's not about our money. It includes our money. It's not about our money. Generosity, authentic generosity, is an orientation before it's an action. Generosity is an orientation before it's an action. Generosity is an orientation up and out rather than in. It's an orientation toward God and toward others rather than the self. The nature of true generosity is an orientation toward God and toward others, not just self. And so we're going to be talking about the spirit of generosity. Generosity says, I have been blessed to be a blessing. I have been blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed my life, and I get to use the blessings of my life to bless others. The word in the New Testament that we translate generous literally translates as noble, noble. Generosity is a noble character trait. In fact, that word is two words, two Greek words put together. The first word literally would translate as good. The second has a range of translations that would, uh, that are connected to it, but it's a verb and it basically means um, becoming or um, to be shown as. So it's this idea of becoming, being shown as that, that you are noble. Your character is noble as these acts of generosity flow from, from you. And so as people who say that we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, part of this growth, part of this process is we are becoming more like Christ in our generosity. 
We know that God was generous, is generous, by one of the most famous verses in Scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave. God is generous even to the point of giving his own life for us. That's the level of the nature of God's generosity. So we are called to be generous people. A noble, good, becoming good, being shown as good in our nature. So how does this VBS issue demonstrate generosity? It demonstrates generosity in, in, in a variety of ways, I think. But, but for example, folks who are, um, and, and I talk about African American, but we also have a growing population of African folk in our congregation, not just uh, African Americans. So folks here, um, the countries I'm aware of are Nigeria, Ghana, and Ethiopia. So if, if there are other of you who are from uh, the continent of Africa, not in one of those three countries, let me know, because I'd love to, to know about that. Um, but it would be easy for folks from Africa or by African-American um, African American background to hear something like this and say, this is ridiculous. You know, like, here it is again. They don't get it. They'll never get it. Why are we wasting our time? Why don't we just go somewhere else where people, we don't have to work as hard to fit in. We don't have to work as hard at people getting it. They just, they just do. But here, that didn't happen. Instead, the folks that we talked to said, sure, we'll help. We want this to be good. We want to help you understand what it sounds like in our ears. It was an outward focus. It was an upward focus. We want this church to be all that we believe that it is and that it can be. And folks who were working on the curriculum, they could have said, this is too late, it's too much, it's no big deal, why are we bothering with this? You know, it's just, you know, political correctness, blah, blah, They could have said all of that, but they didn't say that. They said, we want this to be good for all of the kids and all of the families who are going to be coming to our VBS. And we want to speak to all of those folks. It was a spirit of generosity. An outward focus, an upward focus, not an inward focus, and closed off. And I think it's a great moment for the church. And I'm glad that we're not missing it. It's not new to the church either, by the way. This kind of thing, it's not new. In fact, the early church, the earliest church, the first century church, had all kinds of struggles as the church grew and became increasingly diverse. It created real problems within the church. In fact, much of the New Testament are letters about what was going on in the churches to try and help them figure stuff out. 
In the book of Acts, one of the first controversies in the church, so the church is very, very new at this point. It's the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. The church is growing. It's becoming increasingly diverse. It started as just a Jewish movement. Now more and more Gentiles are coming into the church, and controversies are starting. So in the sixth chapter... The controversy is the food program that has been established for widows. Okay, so, so if you're a widow in the first century, you're in trouble. If you don't have any male, uh, person to help you, you're in trouble because you can't work. You don't, you can't get a job. You're dependent on a husband or a father or brothers to take care of you. So they have these widows who don't have that support and the church is supporting them. But in this case, there are Jewish widows and Gentile widows. And the problem becomes that the Jewish widows are being treated differently, better than the Gentile widows. And there is this growing conflict within the church. And so the apostles are finally brought into this. The problem is explained to them. They get it. They recognize that this isn't good, and so they come up with a plan. And they say, we need seven, seven men who are going to be guys of good reputation, who are respected among the church, who have wisdom, and who are spiritually mature. And so the group selected these seven men who were then prayed over, deputized to lead this program to make sure that the distribution of food to the widows was done fairly to all. That was like the first controversy in the church. And it says after that decision was made that the people, all of the people were happy about that and the church continued to grow. Now imagine if it hadn't gone that way. Imagine if the apostles heard about this conflict and their response was, you've got to be kidding me. Like really, those Gentiles, again, you know, there's just never, they're never satisfied no matter what you do. It's never good enough. And the, the, you know, we're given more money anyway and this, that. Imagine if that was their mindset, this kind of inward, closed off mindset. Imagine the damage it would have done to the church. I think it would have set it back decades in terms of its influence. People around the, the church at that point, as they were talking about it, because people talk, would have said, really, that's what they did? That was the reaction? Is that who Jesus is? If that's the Jesus they're following... If that's the one they're worshiping, no thanks. But of course, that wasn't the reaction. And because of that generous spirit, that desire to honor God and to bless others, the church thrived. Generosity is a noble character trait with an orientation that is outward looking and recognize that I have been blessed to be a blessing. And we're not just talking about our money, right? 
Your time is a gift. Your skills, your property, all of the stuff of your life is a blessing, right? That was it. Yeah, that was it. Sorry. I know I was just on a rant there, and so that was not rhetorical. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's all a blessing, right? Not just for you to be blessed, not just for your little, you know, cocoon, but to be a blessing. How is this going to be a blessing to others? All of it. Your time. What percentage of your time do you use to bless others? What percentage of your stuff are you using to bless others? As uh, last, last Sunday, uh, there was a celebration down at the meeting place. It was the 16th anniversary of one of our AA groups. Okay? 16 years they've been meeting. Um, it started up in this building before we uh, had the meeting place. And, um, and I remember when it got started, there's a guy, his name is Andy, uh, who leads it. And uh, so Andy would be here Sunday nights, and uh, I remember I'd run into him um, when I was here on Sunday nights, and he would be setting up a room. I think they were in this, uh, what we call the hub now, that he would be setting that up. He'd be in the kitchen, filling the coffee pot and so forth, and, uh, and then I would watch him sitting there all by himself. Nobody showed up. And week after week after week, Andy showed up, set up the room, made the coffee, and nobody would show up. And it didn't seem to bother this guy. He had this generous spirit, this generosity with his time. And he would just say, look, if somebody shows up, I'm going to be here. Sixteen years later, scores and scores of people have been blessed by that AA group that meets here Sunday nights because Andy committed his time to being here. What a powerful story of generosity. There's a a woman who, um, she was a single mom. She had four or five kids. and was not making enough money to make ends meet. And so she went to a local church food pantry, and they would provide her uh, the supplements for the food that she needed to be able to feed her kids to make, you know, to make the, the ends meet. And periodically she would need additional support, and, and that church would help her out. When she got to the point in her life where things were stable. She never got to the point where she had more than enough. But where things were stable, she started making little contributions back to that church, to that food pantry. And she did that for the rest of her life. She passed away about 10 years ago. And every year around Christmas, her daughter brings me a check for our discretionary fund that we use to help folks in this congregation who might be in need. And she gives me that check in memory and in honor of her mom's desire to help others, to be a blessing. Right? 
So Jesus talked a lot about generosity. He talked a lot about our use of our stuff and money and so forth. He had a lot, a lot to say about that. One of the uh, areas it's recorded is in Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter. Jesus said this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and where rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Whenever or wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus is talking about how we invest our lives, right? And he's saying, don't waste your life on earth storing up stuff that is temporary. It's temporary. It's not worth your life. And yet we, you know, because we live in this consumer culture where it's all about getting more and more, buying more and more, having more and more, never feeling like I have enough. And we kind of get into this temporal mindset. It's really kind of a hoarder mindset, right? I mean, we hear about hoarders and we think, oh, those people. You know, how could you ever be like that? Where you would have so much stuff you can't even move around in your room. I'm looking around my house and thinking, I'm a hoarder. Like Marilyn's been saying for a couple of years now, I, wait, I just need to get rid of this stuff. I'm hiding certain things because I think she's serious. But she's right, you know? We get into this hoarder mentality that I need more stuff and we buy stuff we don't even need or want and think it's going to bring us pleasure, but it's so temporary. It's all temporary. Jesus says your life is worth more than that. Store up treasures in heaven. Have a spirit of generosity where you have an openness to be a blessing to the lives of others. That you use some of your time and some of your income and some of your giftedness to bless others. You know, the other part of this, this mindset, this hoarder mindset says, I would be more generous if I only had a little bit more. If I just had a little bit more money, then I could be generous. Here's the reality. The reality is that the average American gives 2.6% of his or her income to charity, 2.6%. The biblical standard, by the way, is 10%. I've been, I've been tithing um, my whole adult life. There is nothing that I would have bought with that money that is in any way uh, would have enhanced my life or my life has not been diminished in any way because of giving that portion away. But that wasn't the point. What was the point? 2.6. No, 2.6, right? So the average American, 2.6. We think we're generous. Maybe. Um, but the higher the income, the lower the percent people give away. So this idea that if I had more money, if I were wealthy, whatever that means, I'd give more away, the numbers don't bear that out. 
Jesus says, invest your life in stuff that is eternal, in stuff that matters. Be a blessing to others. And then he ends that teaching with this, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that's the struggle of generosity, right? We want to be devoted to God, but we have this devotion to our stuff. And so the struggle really is that struggle. How do I become generous, truly generous, this noble characteristic? And so for the Christ follower, it starts by giving ourselves to God. Steve, Steve is going to come up. He's going to, he's going to lead us in a, in a closing song. Um, but I want, to, I want to lead us in a prayer. Generosity begins with an upward focus that, that I'm giving myself to God. I'm giving God my heart. I'm giving God my life. I often refer to finances as faith's final frontier, right? Like, yeah, I'll give him my heart. I'll give him my life. I'm not giving him any money, right? Because that now we're getting real, right? But it's all of that. But it starts with, it doesn't start by what you give. It starts with an orientation toward God. And so I want to just lead a, a little time of prayer here. And... Um, allow you to do a little business with God uh, on your own. So let's pray together. So I want you to just take a few moments in this time of prayer. And in your own mind, in your own heart, name the blessings in your life. All of the blessings that you can name in the next few seconds. Just name them to God. all of that, God, we give you thanks for the people that are named, for the situations that are named, for the, for the jobs, for the incomes, for the time, for the talents. We're blessed and we're grateful. I want you to take a few moments now and I want you to think about what are those areas in your life that you struggle the most to surrender to God? What are the things that you hold on to keep you from growing, that keep you from generosity? What are those things that you hold on to? Name those things to God. this is an area you want to grow in, if you want to grow in this area of true generosity, just offer that up to God.
Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from you, and we're grateful. There are areas in our lives, Lord, where we recognize lack, but you are the giver of all good gifts, and so we entrust ourselves to you in those areas. Those areas, Lord, that we hold on to that become uh, our master. Help us to let go, to loosen our grip, to test and see that you are trustworthy. All that we are, God, all that we have, all that we are to become, we offer to you in confidence that you've got us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You can have it all. In Jesus' name.